Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Hey, thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast. Again, I'm just uh, so thankful for all of you that have extended the reach of these podcasts. Each and um, every week I'm being uh, told of places that the podcasts have gotten into, and it's just remarkable. It's not only within um, uh, our nation, but around the world and the nations that it's penetrating. So thank you for going out of your way to let people know about the podcast and uh, just the uh, difference that they're making. Uh, Today I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about uh, getting leadership right. If we're going to lead, how do we make sure that we get it right? Um, over the 40 years that I've done this thing called leadership, I've always believed that uh, the two most uh, leadership-intensive chapters in the Bible uh, were, first of all, in Matthew 5, where we have the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, I believe that we are taught uh, the heart of leadership. I've said this forever in so many settings. Uh, I believe that you can learn techniques of leadership from the world, uh, but you can only learn the heart of leadership from God. And in fact, one of the things that I think troubles us is that when we see leaders, especially secular leaders, uh, who seem to be effective because they have good techniques, but we can immediately look and we can see that their heart is really uh, disproportionate to what a leader should be. And we scratch our head and we think, wow, how in the world can someone lead and get great results uh, on a secular level, but have such a, a, a heart that seems to be uh, distant on a spiritual level. Uh, So I go back to the fact that the heartbeat of leadership is learned from our Lord and Savior. And so let me just give uh, Matthew chapter 5. I'm not going to teach this in detail. I'm going to give you sort of bullet points here. And if you really want the in-depth where we dig down into it, um, you might want to get my book, Jesus on Leadership, because uh, it digs down on this. But Matthew chapter 5, it teaches the heart of leadership. In verse 3, we're taught about uh, the humility of leadership. And uh, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Uh, One of the things that we have to understand is that people who lead and lead for a long time have a spirit of humility about them. And then empathy and leadership. Uh, You know, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, that sense of empathy that that you know what it's like to go through painful moments. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Um, he knows what it was like to feel certain uh, circumstances and to feel what that's like. And every leader has gone through moments where uh, they felt what life is really like. Uh, being teachable. Uh, there's nothing worse than uh, a leader who uh, has uh, reached a place where they think they know it all and have all the answers. Uh, passion in leadership in verse 6. Um, you know, leaders are, are passionate people, and I do a whole dialogue on our roundtables uh, in 2017 Uh, about passion and how passion is distinguished from emotion. A lot of people think if you're emotional, you're passionate. 
but emotion doesn't equal passion. Passion is a lot bigger than that. It's a lot deeper than that. And uh, then kindness in verse 7, just being a person who... uh, you know, is kind and considerate in life. And then in verse 8, integrity. Uh, Being an individual that has the whole package, not only on the outside, but on the inside. And uh, then uh, being peaceful, uh, being the person who uh, brings peace to the table and brings the peace of God to bear in circumstances. And then endurance. Uh, the ability just to persist. And so, honestly, uh, Jesus introduces us in the Beatitudes to the heartbeat of leadership, and humility, empathy, being teachable, passionate, kind, integrity, having peace, and endurance. And those are sort of the bullet points there. And so, if I only had uh, two chapters in the Bible to teach leadership uh, from, I would teach the heart of leadership from Matthew chapter 5, But then I would teach the skills of leadership from Joshua chapter 1. And in Joshua chapter 1, I believe that uh, we are given 11 skills that every leader needs to have. Uh, To me, this is one of the most magnificent uh, chapters on leadership because in this particular uh, chapter, uh, we see the transition of leadership. We see the baton being handed off. We see leadership going from an older generation to a younger generation, and we see what that looks like, what it feels like, the skills involved. And so let me just uh, go through uh, the context of uh, what these uh, skill sets are. Uh, The first one is found in verses 1 and 2, and in there, uh, God says, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore arise. Uh, To me, it is just amazing. Uh, God is the only one that begins uh, a book with an obituary. Uh, No one that I know in any capacity would ever begin. It's not how you start a book. Only God has the wherewithal to begin a book and uh, to begin it with an obituary. Uh, But the principle is this. Uh, if you're going to lead, you're going to have to let go of the past. Uh, one of the, the things that uh, prohibits long-term leadership is that the longer you've led, the greater your past. And many times your past stops you from leading in the future. And many times because of what you've seen in leadership, that prevents you from uh, being able to lead in the future. Um, here's the simple thing. Uh, if you're going to be an effective leader, uh, you're going to have to let go of the past. Uh, we know in Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19, it says, behold, I do a new thing. Uh, forget the former things. And God is always asking people to venture into new territory. And a part of the new territory is that we don't let the past uh, trap us. We don't let the way we did things uh, become the basis on how we have to do everything. Uh, we're always looking to see what may be the best way to handle something today. And and so uh, in this particular chapter, because of how Moses was such a predominant leader, the first thing that... Um, God does with Joshua is he gets in his face and he says, Joshua, if you're going to lead, you got to let go of the past. You can't hang on. As much as you love the past, as much as you enjoyed the past,
past, as much as you were a part of the past, as much as you were up there on Sinai and waiting for Moses to come down and you saw the the Ten Commandments and the two tablets and you saw them being thrown down and you saw uh, the recompense of what happens when people disobey the Ten Commandments. Uh, you were there when the Ark of the Covenant was made. You were there when the manna was put in. Uh, you were there when uh, Aaron's rod that, uh, rod that budded was put in. You were there when the second tablets of stone were put in. You've had great history. You've had great moments. But God's in his face. And he says, Joshua, if you're going to lead, you got to get over the past. you got to get over the past. And so for every leader, the past can be prohibited. And your ability to put the past in its place determines if you'll be a leader for the future. The next thing that we find out is he says, um, arise therefore and go. Uh, The second skill of leaders is simply this. They have a bias towards action. Um, They're not just going to sit there. They're not going to sit on the sideline. They're just not going to sit through particular moments. They are going to have a bias towards action. They're going to get up. They're going to move. They're going to do the things that need to be done, and they're going to do them in a way. And, um, you know, one of the things that we find out is that people don't move until the leader moves. And, um, you know, um, many of you have gone through major moments of surgery. And when you've gone through major moments of surgery, there's always that floor nurse that comes in and uh, looks at you and says, you've got to get up. And you're looking at that nurse and saying, man, I don't feel like I can get up. I don't want to get up. And what the nurse does is the nurse gets you up. Because here's what the nurse knows. The sooner you get moving, the better you're going to be. They know that the sooner you move, the healthier you're going to be. And what we find about leaders is they have a bias towards action. They know how to get up and they know how to get after it. And so that's what God's telling Joshua. He says, man, uh, don't live in the past. Uh, you got to get up and, and, and you've got to get after it. And if you get up and you get after it, you're going to find some wonderful possibilities for the future. And so have a bias towards action. Uh, the next thing is is that um, we understand that uh, you've got to follow the leader. And what that means is this. Um, God is speaking to Joshua, and people are going to follow him. And what God just says very, very clearly is, I need you to get up. I need you to move. And when you move, people are going to follow you. And um, John Maxwell, a dear friend of mine, always said, you know, uh, if, if you're leading and no one's following you, then all you're doing is taking a walk. Well, as much as I agree with what John says there, one of, to me, one of the most dangerous uh, thoughts is this, is when you're walking and you don't notice that people are following. Here's the simple thing. People are always following you. People are always uh, looking at you. People are always responding to you. And so um, follow the leader. We know that when a leader gets up, people are going to follow. We know that's what's going to happen here. And uh, we know that this was uh, very, very critical in Israel's history because the reason uh, they spent 40 years in the wilderness is because they followed their leaders that when the first 12 spies were sent into the promised land, uh, they came back and 10 of them gave a, a bad report. And the reason they gave a bad report is they forgot three things. Uh, 
They forgot who God was. They forgot that any report that they give is based on who God is. They forgot who the leader was. They forgot that God had put Moses in charge and that Moses was the leader and that they were to follow him. And they forgot what the vision was and that the vision was simply, uh, I've made you to go into the promised land. I've made you to go there. And so God's sitting there and he's saying, hey, you know, um, Joshua, if you get up, people are going to follow. And so get up and get going. Uh, and so uh, at this particular place, three skills, let go of the past, have a bias towards action, follow the leader. People are going to follow you as you get up and you start moving. Uh, number four, there's always uncharted territory. Um, and uncharted territory just means this. Israel's about to go into places they've never been before. They're about to see things they've never seen before. They're about to experience things they've never experienced before. And here's the thing. God's going to look at Joshua and he's going to say, hey, you got to lead. You're going to lead from this river to this river. You're going to lead from this place to this place. It was new territory. Israel knew the wilderness. They had been there for 40 years. They had wandered around. They had traveled. Uh, but now God's sitting there saying, uh, there's some uncharted territory that I want to get you into. And that's one of the things that leaders have to understand. Leaders are needed if you're going to take new territory. If you're going to go to new places and do new things and do things that have never been done before, there has to be a leader. And so there will always be uh, uncharted territory. And so you see these principles, you see them play out. You see verses one and two, let go of the past. You see uh, the idea of bias towards action in verse two, follow the leader in verse three. And then you see the concept that there is uncharted territory in verse four. But in verse five, don't act like it's all on your shoulders. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, is that God told Joshua, he said, I'm going to be with you the same way that I was with Moses. And what he was saying is this, Joshua, you may feel the responsibility and at times you may feel the pressure, but I'm just telling you right now, it's not all in your shoulders. It's on my shoulders. You know, one of the stories I love to tell is if you go to New York City, uh, where RCA used to be, uh, there is the uh, picture and the imagery of uh, Atlas outside with the world on his shoulders. You see him stooped over and straining. But if you go right across the street into St. Patrick's Cathedral, and you will find that in one of their gardens, there's a, a little image of Jesus. And in that image of Jesus as a child, he has the world in his hands. And it's really a visual. As a leader, you can have it all on your shoulders, or as a leader, you can know that everything's in God's hands. And so in life, you begin to recognize that it's um, not all on your shoulders. Don't act like it's on your shoulders. God was just saying at that particular point, hey, this is it. This is what I know. This is where I'm at. And so uh, you've got to understand, don't act like it's all on your shoulders because God's going to be with you. Next principle in verse 6. Um, it takes courage to change. God looks at... Uh, Joshua, and he says, I need you to be courageous. And what he's talking about is anytime change is involved, there's always emotion involved. There's always emotional upheaval. There's always uh, something going on. There's always something being felt. And he said, you know what? 
I need you to make sure that um, you have courage because the emotions can many times be so overwhelming and the emotions can be so big that um, it's easy for us to sometimes just uh, get stuck in place and to become paralyzed. Uh, But in our life, we have to understand the nature of the beast. And the nature of the beast is this, is that it takes courage. Uh, As I tell people, uh, we're to walk by faith. Faith isn't going a mile. Faith is just taking the next step when you don't think that you can. So you just take one more step and you take that step and then you take another step and you just have the courage to take one more step. Another thing that uh, happens, principle number seven in the skills in verse seven, is God tells Joshua, he says, um, uh, you need to make sure that you don't get distracted. He said, don't look to the left hand and, and don't look to the right hand. Now, uh, the imagery here for Israel is just pretty profound. See, the right hand was the hand of blessing. Uh, the left hand was the uh, hand of dishonor. And what he was saying is, he said, as a leader, don't let good things distract you and don't let bad things distract you. You know, leaders are pretty good uh, about persisting in the midst of uh, bad things. But sometimes when things are going good, uh, leaders can get sidetracked and they can get lazy and they can become indifferent. And one of the things that's hard is what we call sustainable excellence. Not having excellence for a day, a week, a month, uh, a year, a decade, one decade, two decades, three decades, but being able to have sustainable excellence over a long period of time. You know, that's why when you see a Cal Ripton in baseball, for those of you that know baseball and you know that uh, he had the longest streak of of, of playing games as uh, a starter and being out there. And uh, his ability just to uh, be there game after game. One of the things that leaders have to uh, communicate is that they're going to be there is that leaders are always going to be there. They're not going to be distracted. They're not going to let things get them off, good things, bad things. And so being able to handle distractions, there's always something going on. There's always something happening that wasn't planned, and you still have to be able to focus on the goal, the vision, and the aim, and be able to focus on that regardless of anything else that's going on. The next principle in verse 8, forget the way it used to be. Uh, This is uh, sort of a a build-up thought on the very first one that you have to let go of the past. But in here in verse 8, you know, uh, Joshua's going to be told to uh, take the book of the law. We all know biblically the book of the law represents the first five books of the Bible. Uh, It's the first time that they had the written word of God that uh, Genesis, Exodus, and so on had been written. And for the first time, they have the instructions of God that God had given them up to that point to be able to manage life and to fulfill life. And and so this is, this is different. And so uh, things are going to change. See, up to now, Israel had always followed the cloud uh, by day and the fire by night. They had always... Uh, followed those things. But at this particular point, what is going on is the fact that 
no longer are the signs are they to follow the signs, but the signs are to follow them. They're to obey the word of God, the written word of God. And we live in a day where everyone wants to follow something that seems spectacular. But they're just principles you live your life by, and you understand that the way it used to be, there's not going to be a fire, there's not going to be a cloud, there's not going to be manna, there's not going to be quail. All those things are over. Now you get to walk in obedience to what God has said. Uh, The next one is God uh, just uh, sort of giving Joshua another directive. Uh, And again, he challenges him emotionally, and he says, wrap your emotions in God. Wrap your emotions in God. And in verse 9, he says, um, again, he says, only be courageous. And he says, you've got to make sure that uh, the emotions that you're feeling are wrapped in God. See, we know that every individual consists of spirit, soul, and body. That's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, may the very God of peace sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. And we know that we're created as a spiritual being because John chapter 4 verse 24, God is a spirit and we were made to know God. We also understand that we have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotions. And then we have a physical body containing uh, the senses where we contact and relate to this world. And we know that that middle part, our soul, has emotions involved in it. And what God says is, uh, most of us have been trained that whenever we get emotional, we go to the flesh. What God was telling Joshua, when emotions hit you, Go to the Spirit. Go back to the Spirit. Because that's the model that Jesus said. He was moved with compassion and he healed. What did he do? He went to the Spirit. We've been trained to get emotional and go to the flesh. The Bible says when you're a leader, you get emotional, you go to the Spirit. And so in here he says, wrap your emotions in God. Just uh, recognize who God is. Let God be the stability. Every leader is going to have good days, going to have bad days, going to have ups, going to have downs. But as a leader, you always let your baseline be, okay, we're going to come back. You know, it would be like in tennis, those of you that have played. Uh, on the, the back line, there's this little dot that's right in the middle. And those of you that have ever played from the baseline, you know that after you hit a shot, you return back to that center spot. And the reason you do it is it gives you the greatest possibility of covering the most court at any time. You go back to that center position. Well, that's what God's telling Joshua. He's saying, Joshua... You need to wrap your emotions in me. When things get emotional, just be courageous. Don't let the fear factor, um, don't let uh, the failure factor get to you. Just begin to uh, wrap yourself in me and know that I am God. So number nine, wrap your emotions in God, verse nine. Uh, Number 10, create a flexible timetable in verses 10 and 11. So far, all the conversation has been basically Joshua experiencing leadership upward towards God. But now he's going to experience leadership downward towards people. And so what does he do? Uh, He goes to uh, the captains of the people and he says, prepare the people uh, to uh, go into the land in three days. Well, when he says three days, that's what he's intending. 
Those of you that have done an extensive study of Joshua, you know that it wasn't until eight days that they went in. Well, uh, the reason being is because some things came up. And what I can tell you is this. Uh, in leadership, everyone has a timetable. They have an expectation. And we always want to control the clock as much as we can, but there's also needs to be flexibility. And that flexibility of being able to manage the clock and being able to recognize what the clock is. And so uh, create a flexible timetable with all your actions, with all that's going on, you've got to understand. And then number 11, it says that he went to the captains. And again, every leader has to create leaders. And the captains are the leaders under Joshua. And so if you're leading and you don't have leaders, then you're probably not going to lead for long because leaders reproduce after their own kind. And so you want to reproduce leaders, people who think leadership, people who are driven by leadership, people who can help you lead. What I know in leadership is this. You will always have more work more dream, more vision than you're capable of doing yourself. So the necessary quality is you've got to develop leaders under you and around you to help you because it's the only way that you can fulfill meaningful vision. God never gives you a dream that you can fulfill by yourself. And so there has to be others. And so he goes to the captains and he says, rally the people, get the people together, get the people focused. Let's get everyone on the same page. Let everyone uh, be focused. And as a result of that, um, we have these 11 principles. So let me just rehash them real quickly. Let go of the past. Make sure that you don't let the past become your future. Have a bias towards action. Know how to get up and to get going. Follow the leader. Understand that when you start going, people are going to follow you. There's always uncharted territory. Realize that that territory is out there. You're going to be doing new things in a new way, and it's going to be different. Don't uh, act like it's all on your shoulder. Remember that God made it crystal clear. He's going to be with you. It takes courage to change. Um, You're going to have to be able to take the first steps, those first moments, Avoid being distracted. Don't let good or bad get you off. Forget the way it used to be. Understand that there used to be a cloud, there used to be fire, but uh, God does things in new ways, and you need to be flexible for that. And wrap your emotions in God. Always come back to that center part, that any emotion you have is eventually moderated by God. And then create a flexible timetable. Understand that uh, there's a timetable out there and that table is one that you just sort of uh, understand that's what you're trying to do, but there has to be some flex in it. And then rally the people. Develop other leaders to help engage the people and get them focused on the things that need to be done. Well, um, these are just some thoughts. As I said before, Matthew chapter 5 teaches the heartbeat of leadership Joshua chapter 1 teaches the skills of leadership. If I could only teach leadership from two chapters in the Bible, I think I could derive more lessons from these two chapters than any other because I think they really do hit the, uh, the context of what leadership is on the inside and the context of what it is on the outside. So as I say that to you, I hope this has helped you. I want to encourage you that uh, we have a lot of events that are going on. 
Uh, we have a Breaking the 200 event that will be going on in Clovis, New Mexico. We also have a Breaking the 500 event that will be happening here in Plano. Um, that is in August. And um, if by chance we can be of help to you, uh, our web page is out there. Just learn and look at that and if we can help. And again, the first part of this lesson was really uh, derived from my book, uh, Jesus on Leadership. And it's a great book to walk leaders through. And so if that would help you. But thank you for getting the podcast out and telling others about it. Uh, thank you for all you do to make the kingdom of God better and heaven bigger. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.